It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Charity Fleming and Melissa Ireland. And now they are both here to speak about an event they have coming up. And it is taking place on September 28th at the Woodland Cultural Centre, which is, of course, in Brantford, Ontario. And it, of course, is also the old Mohawk Institute Residential School. And uh, this event is called Gathering and Vigil. Every Child Matters come together to prepare for the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Now, of course, everyone knows this is the very first Truth and uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day that is uh, being and has been brought forward now. And, and is a, uh, a a national or federal holiday, at least. So it is a pleasure to wel- welcome Charity and Melissa to the show. But um, they are they are part of a counseling service that has a numerous uh, numerous locations in I guess the southwestern part of Ontario, from uh, Six Nations and Brantford uh, to uh, Kitchener, I believe. So I'm going to actually let uh, Charity give us a little more information because Charity is one of the uh, the founding members of the the uh, uh, Qualia Counseling Service. So, uh, Charity, greetings and welcome. Ani, thank you so much for having us, David, mm-hmm. and i um, happy to be here and talk more about the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. So excited um, by it and so happy that this day has come that we can celebrate and honor and remember. Mm-hmm. Um, to speak more about Qualia Counseling Services, thank you. We are a premium mental health uh, set of clinics. We offer cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and yes, we're located Six Nations, Brantford, Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo. And we also partner with Wilfrid Laurier University. We have a number of staff that are faculty uh, with the university to teach and train cognitive behavioral therapy. And uh, we're happy. We specialize in that. We know from a Western perspective that uh, there's lots of evidence to support it. But we're really, really proud of what we're doing as well in terms of culturally adapting um, the approach and the model uh, to be more culturally responsive and actually launching a new course, McWendigwad. It means it is remembered um, and it's Indigenous culturally adapted CBT. So Mm. we are happy to do that. um, But from a, a place you know, in the community where we offer support, um, we're here to listen, to help survivors and intergenerational survivors of residential school trauma. Uh, we do a lot of teaching and training about historical trauma. Um, mm. And we think it's important, you know, to respond um, in all ways that we can to truth and reconciliation calls to action. Uh, I am Anishinaabe. I'm from uh, Treaty 3, Wabaskang First Nation. And um, in my community and in my family, we have experienced um, residential school impacts, uh, 60 scoops impacts, um, and many others. And um, so we're just very, very uh, happy and passionate um, to be able to do what we can to contribute to reconciliation in meaningful ways. So that's why we're hosting this event and we're actually doing a number of different things uh, as an organization to respond to those calls to action. Right. Um, now, before we get further into this, I just want to, to ask how long has Quilly been around? 
So we are 11 years old. Mm -hmm. So um, for 11 years, we've been around and we were founded uh, first with by my uh, partner, uh, Thomas Brown, my work partner. And uh, I joined shortly after that. And we just recognized there is a big need for additional mental health services in our communities. And uh, for me, it was really important to be able to um, provide those services and decrease access to barriers um, for mental health services in our Indigenous communities as well. Mm. I would like to touch more on that, but we'll come back to that in a little bit. I also want to mention that uh, I believe that Quelia is the Reader's Choice uh, of 2020. Yes. So thank you. Um, so we, uh, a couple of years uh, in a row, we've won in multiple categories, which we're really proud of. Um, so for individual and couples uh, counseling, but also as a teaching and training center, a business development center. And this year we were um, nominated. Uh, the announcement doesn't come out, I don't think for another month, but we were nominated in five categories in our community. Um, so we're really, you know, proud of that. To me, it speaks to the, um, the work that we're able to do and the community's recognition of that. Great. That's wonderful. I'm sure there'll be other questions we can come back to. There's so many questions that have come up uh, that I would like to ask you about in terms of uh, the application uh, and, and even around this Truth and Reconciliation uh, Day, which I'm guessing that because of the line of work that you and Melissa are in, uh, that you are dealing with perhaps some of these, uh, these residential school survivors and perhaps the intergenerational issues that come up and have come up over the over time that you are seeing and, and dealing with, uh, perhaps on a daily basis within your organization. Um, but Melissa, Melissa Ireland, uh, she's been waiting patiently in the background there so, so nicely. She's the Indigenous Relations and Outreach person. Uh, and uh, Melissa, uh, this event that you guys have going on, uh, Gathering and Vigil, can you tell me about how this, how and why this event came to be? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, it's wonderful that Qualia has been um, leading the way in terms of Indigenous uh, representation and inclusion in um, counseling services in the region. Mm. My role was created in June, okay. and we were really excited to think about how to prepare people for um, September 30th. Mm. So for us, um, we know that we have um, not only clients, but even people who work with our clients who have mm. been affected by sure. the residential school system and the legacies that follow. And we thought it would be great to um, build a supportive space where we could all come together and have song ceremony, listen to survivors and come together to um, join hearts and minds to think about um, how we move through this. Mm. Wonderful. It does sound wonderful. So, so can you tell me a little bit more about um, what people might be taking part in? You've mentioned song, you mentioned uh, some of those other things, but can you tell me more about the event itself, what it's going to look like? Absolutely. It's an outdoor event. It is from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., like you said, on the grounds of the Woodland Cultural Centre at 184 Mohawk Street. And because of a COVID protocols, this is an outdoor event mm -hmm. limited to 100 in-person guests. But we will also be live streaming the event on our social media platforms. Great. So um, we're really excited to offer those alternatives during the time of the pandemic. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, now, as you say, it's an hour long, and uh, it says, Join with us to honor our ancestors, lost children, survivors, and intergenerational survivors. It's also in support of Save the Evidence, and of course that, that is with the Woodland Cultural Center as they try to uh, uh, save the evidence, which is the Woodland Cultural Center and the, the residence uh, part of the Woodland Cultural Center where uh, students actually were housed, which is uh, taking a lot of money to to refurbish, rebuild, and turn into the museum that they want to have that turned into. It, it's wonderful that you could partner with the Woodland Cultural Center on this. Yes, I think so too. And we're going to ask guests who are in person or viewing to contribute to the campaign. Mm -hmm. We've set up our own specific um, web link with the support of the Woodland Cultural Center. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to raise $3,000. However, um, Aquilia will be matching any donations up in, up to $10,000. Wow, that's great. Congratulations to you guys on this. And um, I, I know that, uh, again, this is just one event, one-off thing that you guys have done, that you're doing. Uh, and it's great because this is, as we pointed out, this is the first uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day. Now, this is on the 28th. Can you tell me why it's taking place on the 28th, on the evening of the 28th, rather than on, say, the the. Third Well, for me, I think that as an Indigenous person who's suffered um, from the intergenerational effects of residential school and someone who's Indigenous and in the workplace, I am hoping to, you know, take the day to reflect and perhaps participate in other community events happening on September 30th. We also um, have uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous clients, and both Charity and I have heard from people in our offices um, questions about what they could do to prepare for the day. So Mm -hmm. then that had us thinking, well, how about we hear from those who are affected to think about what they um, sort of have ideas about guiding that, but also we're working on preparing a handout so that people can take with them um, considerations for further learning or um, best practices or ideas and advice about how to reflect on this day. So we think that you need to internalize and prepare for something so deep and serious. Mm, Nicely said. So that's your reasoning behind it. You're going to be having a handout and that's for people that are going to be in attendance. Sorry, just to jump in there. Yeah, we will have that handout and we'll be posting that to our social media as well. Um, And just to speak to that more, um, there are a number of events, virtual events, too, that are happening on the 30th. And what I've found is that um, there's so many, it's hard to choose, you know, what are we going to participate in Mm. and what can we lead effectively And for us, it's really important, uh, as Melissa said, to turn our hearts and turn our minds and our thoughts, you know, to the solemnness of this event, um, to commemoration and to honoring that day. And so we will be posting recommendations on and how, you know, Indigenous to non-Indigenous people um, can, you know, turn their minds to uh, this event and what they can do in preparation and how, um, you know, non-Indigenous allies or settlers can get involved and uh, learn more and uh, respectfully engage in the day as well. 
That all sounds wonderful, and it, it all makes perfect sense when you guys say it like that about why you've chosen the 28th to do this and on the evening. I'm glad you also mentioned that you're going to be posting these things to social media because I was going to ask that if they'll be available for the people online as well. So that's great that you're going to be doing that. Um, so uh, I'm just wondering, is there anything else you can think of that uh, around this date or things that, that people might want to be watching for uh, in terms of Qualia and what it might be doing in the future? Uh, as we finish up, because I want to make sure we also mention about your website and about where people can go to find out about, uh, you know, taking part in this in this uh, gathering and vigil on the 28th. Great. Thanks so much. So we have uh, definitely people can go to our website. It's www.qualiacounseling.com. And we have our Indigenous services page. Um, In terms of, you know, what truth and reconciliation means for us, um, you know, we're Indigenous leaders. And so we've spoken to that and and why these, this event and other things are important. But we're also, you know, um, an Indigenous or, you know, co-run Indigenous organization and company. So we're actually going to be uh, posting on our website as well, our commitment as, you know, a clinic, as a company, as an organization to truth and reconciliation and encourage others to do the same, other leaders, um, other agency and organization and corporate leaders to think about their commitment to truth and reconciliation and what that means. Um, So I recommend people check that out. Um, but we'll also be posting everything on our social media. Um, as Melissa mentioned, uh, we will be live streaming the event mm-hmm. and uh, it will be posted on our Facebook page. Um, and we also have Twitter and Instagram and TikTok now, <laughs> TikTok um, pages under Qualia, Q-U-A-L-I-A counseling. And I don't know, Melissa, if you want to add to that at all. I will just say that you do not need to register if you're planning to join us virtually. That'll be on our Facebook page. And then if you'd like to attend the in-person event, um, go to quilia underscore trc dot eventbrite dot ca. Great. That's all wonderful information. Congratulations to uh, the the wonderful success that you guys have had over the, uh, did you say 11 or 13 years? 11 years. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, congratulations to you on all of that. And and it's wonderful that you guys have put this together. I loved all the comments you made about why you chose the 28th and and are doing it in the fashion that you're doing it. And um, and people can find this, as you say, uh, if they can't attend in person, they can see, watch it on your social medias live, uh, live as well as you're streaming it. So uh, wonderful. 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. September 28th at the Woodland Cultural Center. Uh, now, it's in partnership with the Woodland Cultural Center. So is it also going to be uh, uh, um, announced on their website as well, the Woodland Cultural Center, do you know? I'm not sure. There is a lot that's going on for them as well that yeah. uh, next week in preparation yeah. for the 30th, the yeah. National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know they have uh, had an outpouring of response from community members looking, um, you know, for their virtual tours and other events. Mm. So I'm not sure if it's posted up on there yet, um, but definitely, you know, happy to be partnering with them and um, we can look into that further. Thank you so much, David. Oh, 
uh, Nyao and Chimigwech for joining me on the show to share this uh, great information about, uh, as you said, it's the first uh, Truth and Reconciliation Day that is being recognized across Canada federally. Um, certainly provinces are starting to join in. I know BC is one of those provinces that have chosen to recognize it as a, a day of reflection. And uh, hopefully other provinces will soon join in as well. I hope so as well. I was... Um I was a little disappointed Ontario decided not to at this time. Mm-hmm. However, I am you know excited that some of the provinces did respond and also respectful, you know, that um, still it's holds the same standing as Remembrance Day. And I think that um, you know, responds to the truth and reconciliation calls to action for this day. And so happy that it was recognized federally. Right. Right. Well, Charity Fleming and Melissa Ireland, thank you so much for joining me on the show to share this information about your gathering and vigil taking place on September 28th at the Woodland Cultural Centre. And as you mentioned before, people can find out more by going to uh, your website. And that, uh, of course, is uh, quiliacounseling.com. And uh, you can also find this on your socials as well. So once again, Nyawa and Jimmy Gwetch for joining me on the show to share this information. Miigwech. Thank you, David. Always a pleasure. Okay, you guys take care. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, Ona. They're the voices of Charity Fleming and Melissa Ireland, and they are with Qualia Counseling. They have an event called Gathering and Vigil taking place on September 28th at Woodland Cultural Centre in Brantford, Ontario. You can find out more by going to qualia underscore trc dot eventbrite.ca if you want to register and also to uh, find out more uh, just go to their website at qualiacounseling.com that is q-u-a-l-i-a-c-o-u-n-s-l-l-i-n-g don't go away we're going to be right back with more right here on moment of truth now back to moment of truth with david moses element 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 fm Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show. We've had him on the show, I think, uh, one or twice before. Skylar Williams is uh, the spokesperson for 1492 Landback Lane. And he's on the line with us today to talk to us about something that's coming up on September 30th. And that's a Unity Jam. And it's happening at Dufferin Grove Park. That's 875 Dufferin Street in Toronto. Toronto uh, gets underway at 3 p.m. and uh, it is stock full of amazing, amazing artists. And I recommend highly that uh, if you can swing down there to catch this concert, uh, it, you won't be disappointed. That's about all I can say. So, uh, Sago Skyler, welcome to the show. Hey, David, how are you, buddy? I'm so glad to be here, and yeah, it's, you know, a pleasure to be back. Yeah, it's great. Now, you know, I caught wind of this uh, this Unity Jam concert, uh, and it, as I say, it's happening on the 30th of September. Found out that you were the spokesperson to talk to about this, so uh, I thought, man, Skylar doesn't stop. He's like all over the place. He's, he's busy at Landback, but he's also pulling this concert together uh, under the, you know, again, 1492. But tell me about, about why uh, you thought it was important to pull this together. You know, when we started talking about land back, mm. you know, when we were uh, all of this discussion around um, the residential schools and the, all of the deaths that, that, that have kind of un- been unveiled in the last uh, few months here and what that means for those survivors, 
and like how that 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 very direct bridge that is made there between those residential school survivors and as well the missing and murdered indigenous women and girls like we can't talk about those two issues without talking about land back right in my opinion anyways because like how are we as nations supposed to invite those brothers and sisters home that have been stolen Mm. from our communities Mm. how are we supposed to invite them home to our communities without paving over everything covering everything in concrete and asphalt and calling that progress Mm. so we can invite these people home that's not that's not how our nations operate that's not how we work as people Mm -hmm. and so to be able to invite those people home there has to be a process that works for our nations to be able to, to to grow our communities and so when we invite those brothers and sisters home we, we can say, like, come home to a thriving community, one that is able to grow, where you, you have the ability to, to buy land, to be able to build a home. Like, because right now, as the reserve gets more and more congested, not only are we not able to welcome those, those people home, but also we're pushing away members of our families into, in, into situations where missing and murdered Indigenous women become an, becomes an issue. Mm. You know, and so um, when we uh, we had the one in Hamilton, you know, we had, again, a star-studded performance there that was just an absolutely amazing. Um, and we've been having these concerts at Landback Lane since last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Derek Miller actually showed up with a yeah. w- with an amp and a, and, a, <laughs> and a microphone and you know sang a song one day and and said you know like we should do this more often you know i'm not playing anywhere everything's shut down because of covid like yeah you know, and i said yeah absolutely i said let me call a couple of people and we'll, we'll see if we can put on a real jam and sure enough you know logan stotts and layla black and you know like all these people just start flowing in mm. tom wilson phil davis mm. you know burla form jace martin like big joe and the is like right. they, they just kept coming and coming and like and it was just an amazing amazing get together and then we'd all play lacrosse after and right. you know they're because of covid of course you know we took that pretty serious and yeah. so everybody just show up and sit in their cars and like a drive-through <laughs> event to come and watch lacrosse played traditional style like outside yeah, yeah. And, you know in the dirt and with wooden sticks and like it was just an amazing time yeah so and so to be able to bring this to dufferin grove like i'm absolutely in and you know like to be able to bring all of the, the land back land back faithful out to to, to dufferin grove to toronto and again, in solidarity with some of the, the houseless folks that, you know, represent like our, our, our nations are represented 50% of that community that lives, live houseless on the streets of mm. Toronto, of Hamilton, of, you know, Winnipeg, of Halifax. Like these are all our people. Mm. And so to be able to say to them, like, you know, we want, we want, we want you home, but we need to, we need to be able to make it so that you want to come home. Mm. And there's, there's stuff that we need in order to do that. And so, um, September 30th being this, this day of reconciliation or whatever. And you know, the, what, it was funny because I got asked a question on the very, uh, when we first started talking about doing it and I was asked whether, like, isn't this supposed to be a somber day? Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I said, you know what? I'm a Haudenosaunee. I'm Mohawk. I said, we were born sad. I said, if we get a day off, we're having a party and we're going to do it as big as we can. So, you know what? We're going we're to have a party in the park that day and we're going to have a blast. 
I like that. I like that a lot. That's a great, because I was going to ask you that because the same thing, you know, it's a day of reflection, etc. But I really like the way you said that. And, and it certainly, certainly makes a lot of sense in terms of, of, of how that approach works with uh, the idea of, of celebrating this to some degree while, while being reflective at the same time. And like you said, you've got a great lineup of people. You mentioned Logan, you mentioned Derek, you mentioned uh, Jace. Um, now it, it, the list goes on there. Now this starts at three. Uh, 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 Skylar, is this a rain or shine event? What what happens if the you know the weather's kind of changing these days? You know what it, it, it has been for the last year and a year and three months now at Landback Lane. It has been rain or shine, and you know what? I don't think anybody's going to uh, shy away from a couple of raindrops mm. and on, on the thirtieth either. And so, like, of course, we're hoping for good weather, but. You know what? It, it it didn't much matter to any of us. It's like, you know what? We 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 held it down at Landback Lane and the snow and rain, sleet and hail. I think we can handle an afternoon in a park with uh, <laughs> with a couple of raindrops. So we'll be there regardless. Right hey, now, listen, Skylar. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Landback Lane, and of course, we know that uh, since we last spoke, uh, we know that the developers have said they are going to. Uh, give the uh, refunds back to the homeowners that were going to purchase homes and they've decided not to go forward with that. So uh, congratulations, first of all. And, and secondly, what does this now mean? Well, you know what? It's it's hard not to celebrate those wins when we get them mm. because you know what? Those wins are few and far between. Yes. But uh, wins like this, uh, Gunnastato include it, mm. you know, like which I was involved with there. And so like um, the like these are incremental wins, mm. you know, like they're, they're, they're small, small wins, but you know what? This is a generational struggle. And the only reason that we even have an argument today is because our parents before us and their parents before them and on and on and on have made sure that they've made every stand and every, every possible thing that they could do with the means that they had at the time to be able to fight for these lands. Because like, that's the thing is, you know, that connection to land for us, is something that, you know, you can't beat that out of us. Mm. You can't jail that out of us. Mm. That connection that we have to these lands is something that is, is part of who we are. And so like that, that bit of this and, you know, that and the spirit of unity and like, it has just been an amazing thing to be able to see our community come together in such an amazing way. You know what? There are so many things that divide us as nations and, you know, that connection to land is something that unites us all and, uh, I'm uh, really happy with the the result that we've got. Yeah, uh, Skylar, it's been great speaking with you today, and I want to say uh, Nyawa for taking the time to join me uh, out of your busy schedule to do so. Uh, congratulations, as I say, on uh, on what has recently happened with the 1492 land back, and uh, you know, with the many uh, fronts and and fights that you're going to be continuing. I know that you'll, uh, as you said, you're not stopping. So. Uh, all the best with everything you're going to do in the future and all the best with the uh, concert on the 30th. It's a great idea and, and certainly a great place for people to get together. Located at uh, 875 Dufferin Street for people that are going to uh, want to come out. And that's between Bloor and, and College. That's what I meant to say. College, yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Nyawagoa, uh, uh, and uh, it's been great speaking with you and I want to thank you for taking the time to do so. Yeah. 
Yeah, you take care, guys. That's Skylar Williams. He is the spokesperson for 1492 Land Back Lane. They have a Unity Jam concert coming up on September 30th at 3 p.m. in the afternoon at Dufferin Grove Park. That's at 875 Dufferin Street, and that is between Bloor and College Streets if you're planning on heading out. It is a rain or shine event, as you heard uh, Skylar say there, after putting on jams and concerts uh, out at 1492 Land Back Lane out in uh, Caledonia area that uh, they say that uh, regardless of the weather, they went ahead with those concerts. So there would be no issue with the weather and putting up with a little bit of rain at Dufferin Park, Dufferin Grove Park. All right, more coming up with Roberta Hill, a Mohawk residential school survivor, as well as Jody Harbour, who is with Grandmother's Voice. Stay tuned. They're coming up right after these messages. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. You can also listen on the iHeartRadio app. Download the app and you can listen anywhere you go. It's a pleasure to welcome uh, some new and old guests to the show. First of all, my new guest that is joining us today is Roberta Hill, and uh, she is part of an, or a, a group of residential school survivors from the Mohawk Institute Indian Residential School in Brantford, and that, of course, is more commonly known as the Mush Hole. And she's joined with us today with uh, Jody Harbour. So it's a pleasure to have both Roberta and Jody with us here on the show right now. Hi. Hey. Very pleased that you could join us. And of course, we're here to talk about a, a number of things as we lead up to, of course, the first Reconciliation Day, which has been put aside uh, as a holiday, federally at least. And uh, some of the provinces have joined in on that, Ontario not being one of them at this point in time, uh, September 30th. Jody, we've had you on the show to talk about Grandmother's Voice in the past. Uh, I know you've continued and I know you've expanded on a number of things. So there's a few things for us to talk about there. Roberta, it's a pleasure to have you with us uh, as a as a residential school survivor, especially as we uh, lead up to this uh, important day of recognition. And uh, certainly not a day of celebration, but a day that is very important for us to recognize and for us to talk about and to educate people on. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, very yes. much so. so, Roberta, if you don't mind me asking, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and specifically about the time, uh, how much time you spent at, at the Mush Hole, at the, the Mohawk Institute? Yeah, um, I, I'm a Mohawk from uh, Six Nations, mm-hmm. and I was in the Mohawk Institute, um, the Mush Hole, from 1957 to 1961, mm. and I was six years old when I went in, mm. and I was 10 when I left, but I went from there into foster care and I didn't, um, and I stayed there till I was 18. So I was gone for like oh. all of my childhood in care somewhere. Oh, wow. You were, you then went to, uh, into the children's aid uh, area as well. Um, that's mm-hmm. another s- story, I guess. Yes, it is. That's part of the 60 scoop. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, joining us. Now, um, you know, I as you were talking there, when I uh, was looking for a place to have my business on Six Nations, someone suggested the the Woodland Cultural Center, and and they had space in the the old part of the building where, of course, the students stayed. So um, 
I immediately had those thoughts. I am very familiar with the building. And of course, I spent uh, uh, long hours working there. And so I'm very familiar with, with the building you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Creepy place. Well, it uh, it is uh, it is it, it is a creepy place, uh, and of course, uh, at this point, they are now trying to turn that back into a museum, which yeah. I, I believe is good in terms of the education side of things. I know there are some people that have said they would just like to see it burnt down, as it had been twice before, um, but. It, it does serve a purpose of reminder, and, and I guess that the other side of keeping it there is to not let the people off that were the perpetrators of this system. Yeah, it absolutely has to stay because it is a reminder. Um, you tear it down and there goes the physical presence mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it is probably a very apt, um, important um, thing that they're doing right now because this is all about educating people, and there are so many people who are very... Um, let's just say they're not educated. They were never educated about residential schools and they're Mm -hmm. just beginning to learn that history. Mm -hmm. And they're, I would say pretty much, um, you know, uh, dumbfounded by the fact that they never learned this history about residential school and why not, you know, Mm -hmm. because it wasn't a nice history, you know? Yeah. Yeah. True enough. And of course now the, uh, the attention is being brought back onto residential schools because they're now going around doing this, uh, uh, ground penetrating radar, looking for, uh, uh, the sites where unmarked graves or children may have been buried on the grounds of these residential schools or close by. Um, and as we've seen, uh, they've already discovered a number of those. Uh, we heard about those already coming out of the West coast and, and other parts of the, the West. And I know that they have done some preliminary uh, groundwork uh, penetrating radar at the uh, the Mohawk Institute, but uh, they're going to be doing more, if I understand that correctly. Yes, they are, and I am part of that survivor secretariat, so it's, we're getting everything organized and set up, but certainly it will be, um, it's going to take a while, but we will be looking at it all. I think it's over 400 acres that has to be um, wow. looked at. Mm. And within that within that area of the 400 acres is our Mohawk Village Memorial Park right beside the mush hole. Yep. You know, that's where we're starting the development for this memorial park. So it, it really impacts everything on that site. You can't do anything really until well, it's not that you can't do anything. It's just that you have to um, uh, make sure that things are done properly because it's now uh Mm. We call it criminal criminal investigation, yes. right? Yes. Because they did find bones there before, so that's uh-huh. kind of what kicks things off. It's you know there shouldn't have been bones right um, around that building because it's not a there's not a cemetery around that school that we knew of. Mm. You know, I remember a number of years ago, and I'm I'm not sure how long ago this was, but there was. I believe some work that was city work that might have been planned uh, to do with the drainage or something like that. Uh, I I think I was there around that time and I heard this, but I know the men's fire put a stop to it because I I believe it was for exactly this reason, because they didn't want this area disturbed until I guess now when, when we have this ground penetrating radar and they can actually observe to see what is actually under the earth there. Do you remember, do you remember any of that? Um, I do. And I, I remember, um, like, because I'm involved in a, a, a lot of the uh, residential school stuff, I've been for a long time. Um, we know the stories as survivors. We know that. And we know, um, and, and I can't say that. To me, I would say these stories have come about and they've lasted for so long, mm. you know, 
but there was also another school and that's over across from the church. So there's a big area. It's not only this school, but the first residential school was near the church. And then there was a first smaller one. So there's a large area to look at. Oh, that I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. Oh. There's, there's a couple of like big sites. The first that, that one across from the church burnt down. Yeah. yeah. And then they built this other one. And I think that one might've burnt down a couple, like again. So this is the, this is the lasting one right now, but yeah, there was yeah. another school. So, yes. and you just have an awful lot of, um, I think it's because there was not enough accountability too. who's keeping track of sure. which kids are there and yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's going to be really, really a, a lengthy process oh, yeah. to go through all this, but it, it needs to happen because if there's nothing there, then let it settle, you know? Yes. But that's not the way we feel. There is something there. Yes. Yes. There, there are children and even the 40, I think it's about 47 that are on the TRC's list. They have to account for where they are, how they died. Where did you bury them? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. so that's that's open knowledge about the 47, whether we find more. Mm-hmm. I, I hear that you, we probably will. Right. Uh, you mentioned the Mohawk Secretariat, that you're part of that. Can you tell us something about that? It's the uh, Survivor Secretariat okay. or the Mohawk say- Village Memorial Park. Both. They all sound interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, the Mohawk Village Memorial Park was started by, um, it's actually from right from grassroots. Survivors um, got together and said, you know, um, we never talked about the mush hole and what happened to us for years and years and years until we were much older. And then as things began to, began to open up, we started talking amongst ourselves and realizing that a lot of people are still in pain. They're still mm-hmm. hurting. There's mm-hmm. something that happened here, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it's had a lasting impact on us, a real lasting negative impact. Right. And it's not only just us, it's our community. So we decided, what can we do as survivors? Right. And we decided, oh, we were going to put a little, you know, memorial garden. And we said, no, it has to be bigger than that. We need a memorial park, mm. a memorial park that will stand um, for something that's happened in, in, the, in the history of Canada on within the like because of residential schools. Yeah. What legacy did that leave us? It's, it's pretty detrimental what is left. Yeah. So that's where we are as survivors. We're um, fundraising right now um, through the Mohawk Village Memorial Park. Um, to help build that. And it's really difficult to, you know, to find support, even like you can, you can, uh, it's pretty competitive, let's say for uh, funding sources. But to me, I think the government, um, because they're involved in all this, I would like to see them help fund this or fund it entirely, because we would not be in this position today if it wasn't for the government and churches. Mm -hmm. So I think that that really should happen. Mm -hmm. And then the the Mohawk, not Mohawk, Survivor Secretariat yes. is like, that is where we're going to be um, looking at. It's a survivor-driven secretariat that will be um, uh, set up so that we guide the process. And there's, you know, like if you've got the OPP, Brantford Police, OPP, uh, yeah, Brantford Police, mm-hmm. Six Nations Police, you've mm-hmm. got coroners, you know, you've got all of the, uh, forensics that have to be involved in this. It's a big operation. It's its going to take a while, like I said, wow. to do all this because you have to do it right. Sure. You know, you have to do it right or it's its just going to mess things up. It's just like when they found bones there before, nothing came of it. Mm. So, you know, we need to know all of this land. And there are spots where the the stories, they can, they can start, you know, it'll start where we hear a where we hear that um, some of these, the older guys now said, you know, you need to check here, you need mm. to check there. Mm. So, you know, 
it'll be done properly and with the right guidance and we have to just set it up um, so that it's a legally sound entity like the survivor secretariat so that we don't make mistakes yeah. and that yeah. it's done properly and respectfully culturally you know mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. you can't just go digging up burial sites you know you have to be responsible you have to be respectful for all those things that we're doing yes yes so that's where we are okay um you know for for sharing that um now i understand there's a phrase that you use that we are still here yes that's our (laughs) that's a support group um what do we have with the we are still here it's a group of survivors and because of covid we haven't met you know mm-hmm. we haven't been able to meet too much but right. we used to meet uh, quite regularly in the shui in that nations uniting building and mm-hmm. we'd have we'd have you know some outings you could go different places you'd have speakers in there we sit mm-hmm. down and you know have conversations say if the church people wanted to come in say the united church anglicans whoever wanted to come in and talk about residential schools and mm-hmm. what their roles were and how mm-hmm. they feel about things with residential schools so open dialogue you could talk about pretty much anything and mm-hmm. We do it sometimes on Zoom now, so that's right. that's still there. But that's the group. It's a group of survivors, and we're still here. And they, have, they haven't they haven't exterminated us. We're still here. Yeah, and and how long has that group been in existence? Um, at least eight years. Okay. What comes to mind when you think of the conversations you've had? And you said it's sort of an open dialogue, and anybody can come in. And you've had church groups come in. You've had church representatives in there. Is there anything that that comes to mind that's that jumps out at you in terms of comments that were, have been made over that time period? Yeah, um, I think one of the things that really bothers me is under is under the T, uh, the TRC. The national like truth and reconciliation mm-hmm. is that a lot of people like, like churches or whatever say, well, we're pretty much at the end of this. You need to reconcile. Uh-huh. Right. Um, how do you reconcile when we're now in the search for burial sites of children? Sure. There is no reconciliation till we get all the truths. And that's one of the problems I, I see with, with more with church. Like with the ours was run under the Anglican church. Mm-hmm. You have to be truthful. Like you don't sure. reconcile. They want it to end. Sure. But it would be so much better for both parties that we could sit down and admit, let the churches admit you guys made mistakes. You caused a lot of like a damage. You caused a lot of harm to children and that, you know, those children grew up and that, that harm was still there and it's Mm -hmm. passed on. So yeah, yeah, there's extensive, extensive trauma and harm caused because of what they've done. You know, I remember, I remember uh, hearing and seeing something recently and I, I, it escapes me what it was exactly, but we are, we are so focused on the children that were taken to the schools, which of course we should be, and the harm that was done. Absolutely. Every sure. bit of that should be important. But it was, someone pointed out, well, what did the, what did the, the communities look like where there were no children anymore? You know, the, the, these children had no, they, these these families, the parents had no children and the, the, the communities had no children. And I went, oh, oh, my goodness, that's right. So there's the other side. It's the what well, the pe- people that were left at home that had their families, the mothers and fathers that had their children ripped away from them to go to school that were forced to go there. And and then. Of course, that starts the whole ball rolling. The parents couldn't be parents. The children couldn't not only be children, but grew up to not know what a family situation looked like. And that's the whole start of that intergenerational trauma that that expanded and has grown into uh, the unfortunate situation that is in existence today. 
Yeah, and, and, and if you look at how things were set up under the Indian Act, yeah, you had to put your kids in there or they mm-hmm. could take them. Yep. A lot of people, I would say in this community, in any community, you don't want your kids to go there, but you also don't want to be punished for not sending them, like going to jail or yeah. fine. It was like I can remember how poor it was around here when I was a little girl, you know, mm-hmm. um, compared to now, we, there, it was pretty poor community. Um, you know, a lot of farming, that's yep. fine because you can live off your own farming type thing. Sure. But I mean, just the, taking children and putting there. But I think what really bothered me is, is the intent was already there from mm. the government is what mm. they were going to do because it's in their records. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what kind of a conscience they have or they have none that, that would do this and take little children, mm-hmm. perfectly innocent little children who who didn't even know what, what the the agenda was type right. thing, nor did the parents. Mm-hmm. And so it, when you put them into institutions like this and you run them the way they run with brutality, you know, forced labor, starving them, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of things. Like, what do you think you're going to get? And what do you think you're going to bring back to the community? Yeah. The community is already suffering because they're not able to raise their children the way they would like to raise mm-hmm. their children, mm-hmm. you know? So, and it, and it was just this whole, um, I, I don't know even know what you call it, but there was um there was a big plan yeah. in place to sure. do what they did, and it was successful. They destroyed a lot of families. Right. You know, it, yeah. it, it it really did. You can't do that and have all that violence and sexual abuse, physical abuse, and say that you're going to have healthy children coming out of there. Yeah. So you bring the you know even survivors, we bring a lot of that that garbage back with us. Sure. You know. Yeah. Doesn't mean everybody was a was an abuser. But you're you're growing up under certain circumstances that are not healthy. Yeah. And so, how do you function normally when you work when you weren't when you look at a little child who goes in there at three or four? Are they growing up to understand that violence is normal, sexual abuse is normal? Mm. You know. So mm-hmm. you've already you're already conditioning these kids to accept that these things were okay. Right. And they're not okay. Yeah. And so I think that when we see a lot of violence, we see a lot of abuse. I think it does stem. A lot of it does stem from those institutions. Yep, absolutely. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guests here on the show are Roberta Hill and uh, Jody Harbour. Uh, we haven't heard much from Jody. She's been kind of quiet in the background, and we appreciate that. But uh, Roberta is a part of a residential school survivors organization, and uh, she is also uh, a residential school survivor herself, and it's been a real pleasure to have her on the show to talk and share. Roberta, you also got involved with Grandmother's Voice, and that is something mm-hmm. that Jody Harbour is certainly involved with. And Jody, you've been listening in the background. You, you of course, are very familiar with Roberta and her story and of course you, you've had her on your your show that uh, that Roberta just mentioned the Mushhole voices and uh, she's involved with grandmother uh, grandmother's voice you are one of the people that founded the grandmother's voice so it's a pleasure to have you back on the show and, and I'm so happy that you also suggested bringing uh, Roberta into this conversation today so uh, welcome to the show again Jody Hey, you know, thanks for having me again mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just creating these spaces right in this time for our elders to speak and talk about their experiences, because we know that that's how we're going to move forward in healing and, and learning, supporting, I guess, ourselves and each other when we, you know, are learning these truths mm-hmm. and uh, nothing is really easy to to hear or talk about. 
but uh, they definitely know how to make us feel comfortable in mm. these uncomfortable conversations. So tell me about the, the Mushhole Voices and how, why you guys thought that was an important thing to do to bring forward. Well, actually, like Roberta mentioned, um, our speaker series that we had in February, that began in February, was really uh, something that came from conversations with the grandmothers, you know, just before the holidays in December. And, mm. and it was like we they intuitively knew that something big was was going to happen. And, <laughs> you know, besides being in COVID, mm. um, you know, they said that, you know, we need to we need to prepare the people mm. and we need to support them and you know this it's really important to you know create the safe space so that people can continue to connect and support each other and so when we created the speaker series through uh you know i work part-time with the halton catholic district school board and yep. you know they've really uh supported the collaboration with grandmother's voice and the vision of, you know, just creating this uh, community of practice, we'll say, right. With, you know, just our educate, like our indigenous elders and grandmothers and um, I guess relationships with the, the first nations and Métis and even Inuit people across, across, you know, Canada basically. Mm. And so they, you know, they said, okay, well let's create this. And when we did uh, immediately, when we had the, the residential school survivors, speak we knew that we needed to support them more because mm. from from them sharing their stories they're doing you know they're keeping themselves together they're the ones that are have created these you know this circle and the we are still here and they sell t-shirts and they have this you know beautiful vision to create this park and and so we learned this through the series and and we were just like a, as as a group of indigenous people and non-indigenous people were like we need to support them how do we do this mm. and so we you know when when uh, roberta and i said hey like let's what do you think of you know we create this space and she's like yes i love it mushroom voices come on and and we did it and people have been responding you know they've been donating to the park to the vision of the park that they want to build around you know the woodland cultural center and so yeah, it's just been really wonderful and and they're just so gracious mm. and happy that they have this opportunity and this platform. Now, is a Mushhole Voices is that finished at this point in time or or do you still have more uh, coming up? Mm-hmm. Well, so we we ran them uh Thursdays at 11 yep. on our Facebook and and YouTube channel. Yep. And so we were talking about, you know, that that it was going to conclude on the 30th of September, but you know, from the sounds of it, I mean, we just had another guest uh from a different area in a different school and so, you know, people are even emailing emailing me and saying, "Look at I I have this video. It's on YouTube. I told my story. It's here. Hmm. I don't want to tell it again, but right. please share it right. because, you know, I know that it will heal others. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is, we're really hearing that, that, you know, so many people have similar stories, but, you know, there, there is that belief that you've done your healing journey. You yes. spoke your story. And there yes. are some that can will continue to tell their story, but there are others that are, are like, I've, I've left that yeah, now, Sure, but I want people. Yes. Yeah. I'd like people to watch it. So we, you know, we're going to wait and see how September 30th is goes. We do have an event planned to host 
you know, a group of the Mushwell uh, voices. Yep. There's about 10 of them mm-hmm. that will be coming to the Urban Indigenous uh, Center for Hope and Peace for Wellness in Milton. Mm-hmm. That is, a you know, Grandmother's Voice has helped yep. and supported that um, evolvement of that space. And at the Healing Garden that we created as well. So yep. we're looking at having a, a nice intimate gathering mm-hmm. uh, with you know this this little this small group, and we have uh, some surprises for them, and some entertainment, and some time to spend with the grandmothers in the garden, and and then um, and then we've invited the community mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day from three to five to come and walk and walk mm. this property. We have a park that's um, that we're a part of. It's a country heritage park in Milton, mm-hmm. and so from three to five we will have a. a you know, a walkway, uh, yeah. just kind of, I guess, highlighted for people to walk through and honor, honor the children that never came home, and then mm. honor the survivors who continue to share their experiences, right. so that we can all learn. Right. It sounds wonderful. Uh, congratulations to you, uh, first of all, on the success of Grandmother's Voice and all the work you guys have done there and now with your Mushhole Voices. And uh, if people want to want to go and see what you've already done, they can go uh, to your to your uh, Facebook uh, Live as well as, uh, did you say YouTube? Yeah, we have a YouTube. Uh, you can just look up Grandmother's Voice, yep. grandmothersvoice.com. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a community of of people really wanting to, you know, unite and learn and heal. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. It all mm-hmm. sounds great. It's wonderful that you're, you're doing this and honoring them and, uh, and bringing attention to their stories that need to be told, uh, especially as, as you mentioned, uh, leading up to uh, September 30th. Uh, Jody, is there anything else? Uh, we're quickly running, running out of time here. So I'm just wondering if there's anything else you feel is important that you want to mention or share uh, just before we finish up. You know, I I think just about the the idea that these the the elders really need that land and space prepared around the schools. I think that this was just what captivated uh, our group was that it makes sense. It makes sense to Indigenous people that they have sacred space set up mm. outside of the schools. And and Roberta had said, you know, we need this there. There, you know, you're bringing people, you're bringing children, you know, to come and visit this this space that really is not you know a happy place mm. and and so we needed as they, they suggested you know not just for the their own elders and their community to gather uh, when they do get together but for the community that continues to show up to the space in the building and learning we we know that there's a lot of heaviness and when you when you go there you know they really just wanted a space around it that mm. could honor you know being able to hear this information and then maybe just leave it there as well. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you know the information, but it can be very heavy for people. So that's really what their park was about. And I just thought it was awesome. And I really hope that we're helping them, you know, reach their limit. I know it's a, the park has a big number attached to it. Hey, Roberta, your quote that was about $3 million. Mm. (laughs) But I think, you know, since, since we started to do this mush hole voices, um, you know, you guys have had, some success with people uh, donating. So you can go to their Mohawk village Memorial park website.com and there's a donate page there. And so that's, that's really what I would, I hope that people will get from hearing about this, this story in our relationship is that we'd love to see that come to fruition. 
for the uh, the survivors. Sounds great. Uh, again, Anyawa, for sharing that with us, uh, both of you, and uh, the great work that you're doing to honor the uh, the the survivors and uh, and you know take care of them and uh, ha- bring some uh, you know some some joy to them as well. As you mentioned on September 30th, as you're going to have this luncheon with them and uh, and and invite the public. Now, the public they're invited later in the afternoon. Is that what I heard you say? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, just being mindful of COVID, we still want to be able to to do this in a good way. Yeah. And and so just it's really just a walk. It's not to sure. come and, you know, hang around. Yes. It's not. It's just to really come and be mindful in in a space. And so much has happened already at our garden and our location. There's been beautiful prayers and ceremony and events already. And we just feel like it would it would just continue to bring, uh, you know, that loving healing feeling mm-hmm. um, and spirit to the land there. Right. Okay. We'll have to leave it there because we are out of time. But uh, again, uh, Nyawa Goa for taking the time to join us on the show and share all of this as we come up to September 30th. Roberta Hill, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and speak with you. And uh, I, I thank you for taking the time out of your day to join and share with us. And Jody, always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for all the great work you're doing with Grandmother's Voice. So you along with Sherry Saville. And uh, too bad that Sherry couldn't join us today. And uh, certainly all the best to both of you in the future uh, for all your future endeavors as well. So, Nyawa Goa, and uh, thanks once again for taking time to join us on the show. Nyawa. That's Roberta Hill. She is a residential school survivor and Jody Harbour, part of Grandmother's Voice. And that is our show for today. Thank you for listening each and every day right here on Moment of Truth and Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.